From Greensburg to Port Allegheny, Camp Hill to Waynesburg, this is a Lincoln Radio Journal. On this edition, the 2023 Pennsylvania Leadership Conference is this week, March 30th through April 1st, in Camp Hill. Rose Tennant has an interview with conference featured speaker Callianne Conway. Working from home became the new normal for many during the COVID-19 pandemic. Returning to the office is going slowly and is now impacting office vacancy rates. Frank Gamrat and Eric Montardi have an Allegheny Institute report. And two state representatives are seeking to squash the free speech rights of conservative speakers at the University of Pittsburgh. Ashley Klingensmith from Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania has this week's Lincoln Radio Journal commentary. I'm Loman Henry, and welcome to Lincoln Radio Journal. We'll get to Rose Tennant and Kellyanne Conway in just a couple of minutes, but first, news headlines from patownhall.com. SEPTA, the regional public transit system in the Philadelphia area, has abandoned plans to build a rail expansion to suburban King of Prussia. The Philadelphia Inquirer reports that the agency simply does not have the money to build the proposed rail extension, although it never had identified a funding source for the project. SEPTA, like other transit authorities throughout the state, continue to struggle for adequate funding in the wake of uncontrolled rising costs and declining ridership since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. Also struggling with rapidly rising costs and declining enrollment are the four state-related universities. Governor Josh Shapiro has proposed giving the four institutions, Pitt, Penn State, Temple, and Lincoln Universities, a 7.1% increase in funding. Some members of the House Appropriations Committee, during a hearing this past week, demanded the universities justify the increased funding, The state-related universities, along with the universities in the state system of higher education, annually clamor for more funding, often to educate fewer students while failing to control costs. Read about all things Pennsylvania at patownhall.com. The annual Pennsylvania Leadership Conference, which is the largest gathering of conservative activists each year here in the Keystone State, will be held this week, March 30th through April 1st, at the Penn Harris Hotel in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Governor Ron DeSantis will be the special guest speaker, and the Friday evening featured dinner speaker will be Kellyanne Conway. Rose Tennant, host of Rose Unplugged, recently sat down with Kellyanne to discuss the conference and the need to build a liberty coalition in Pennsylvania. Rose? Joining me today is someone I am so excited to introduced to you. I had the opportunity to interview her on the White House lawn when Salem Radio was doing a big event there at the White House during the Trump administration. She served as a senior counselor to President Trump. And here's the part I really love. She is the first woman, and they don't talk about this much, but she is the first woman to have run a successful U.S. presidential campaign Kellyanne Conway, how are you? I've been on the radio with Rose Tennant many times. And yes, it's so you. nice to be back with you, especially to talk about 2024 and most importantly, the Liberty Coalition building one through this great conference. I'm really excited. Yes. For the end of March. I should talk about that real quick. The Pennsylvania Leadership Conference uh, that happens every year in Harrisburg. Our featured speaker this year is Kellyanne Conway. It's March 30th 
through April 1st. And we want to make sure you get your tickets because they're going fast because everyone wants to see you, Kellyanne. They can't wait. Well, I appreciate it. I think I'm the warm-up band for Governor DeSantis. He's speaking the next day at lunch, but I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> seriously speaking, I mean, it's always important for us to come to our ideas and our priorities in the White House. And boy, Pennsylvania have people like John Fetterman and Josh Shapiro and even Bob Casey and state legislative seats lost to these crazy Democrats, uh, radical agenda. I think it's so important for us to come together in unity. Unity doesn't mean that you compromise your principles. It actually means that you put them forward and you centralize them and you make them more assimilated and more accessible to, to more people who probably agree with joining a liberty coalition and agree, Rose, with the freedom agenda and may not know that or may not know how to start. You got Governor Wolf, you know, he vetoed charter schools that had passed, charter school expansion that had passed in the Pennsylvania State Legislature so many times. You see how anti-fracking, anti-energy yes. independent they are. I think Pennsylvania is like the second largest net exporter in our nation. You see how they're raising taxes and these onerous regulations, the lockdowns for the kids that were let down. So I know that we are a big burgeoning movement and growing movement of conservatives. But my message there is going to be how to join forces for the good of freedom and how to bring more people along and get our ideas into the mainstream and past and part of our Great Liberty Coalition and Freedom Agenda. And I love that about the coalition. And I do get concerned sometimes, Kellyanne, because there seems to be a great divide in the Republican Party. And you don't see that within the Democratic Party. You, you just don't. And there are people that actually believe the same thing and want the same thing. And yet they, they are striving against one another. And that, that concerns me greatly. I agree. Let me say two things to that. Let me repeat, Rose, that unity doesn't mean you compromise your principles. Right. What it does mean is that you stop focusing on the two things on which you disagree around the margins. And you start focusing on the 12 things that bind us and where we have connected to issue and where we can actually build on those ideas and get them passed. Look, I I disagree when people say, and I heard a lot of it during the speaker vote for Kevin McCarthy, which ultimately uh, led to his election, thank, thankfully. But I heard a lot that, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Why can't we unify? The Democrats are unified. We're not. We need, unan- we need unity. But, Rose, they have unanimity, which is different. Hakeem right. Jeffries had 13, 15 consecutive votes every single no dissension not one person had the guts to say one time that's not my guy i'm going to put myself up or so 50 of them voted for the inflation reduction act and zero of them voted for amy coney barrett's nomination to the supreme court who she was eminently qualified much more qualified than a lot of the senators grilling her so they have unanimity which means you're not allowed to have your own thoughts we have we need unity which means we take disparate thoughts and competition which is fresh and which should be honored and which should be welcome because this country was built on it and we need a competition but we take that and we figure out how to hammer out solutions and specifics that we can all live with and that will bring more people along maybe people who hate politics maybe the growing numbers of pennsylvanians and Americans across this country rose who say, I refuse to pledge my allegiance to either Republicans or Democrats. I've declared my independence. I am an independent. I think many of them are lapsed Democrats who are sick of their party, who do want lower taxes and do want, want to make sure that everyday life is affordable, not unaffordable. Make sure that we've got security at the border, national security abroad. Make sure that our military and our law enforcement are deeply respected and generously resourced. Make sure we have security in our in our towns and in our cities. My goodness, look what's happening. And the, the other thing I'll say is I think two very important things happen within the span of the week that shows fissures, cracks in the Democrat 
um, apparatus. And one was, of course, this very important defeat of Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. People are starting to believe what they see with their own eyes and not what the Democrats tell them. The second thing is Joe Biden really slapping back 170 some members, Democratic members in the Congress and the D.C. Council uh, on this soft on crime stuff. They wanted to go softer on criminals. And he said no. He said he's going to, quote, work with Republicans. So they are starting to read that. Let's look at Harrisburg, Pittsburgh, of course, Philadelphia. The Soros back D.A., Larry Krasner, terrible mayor in Kinney. And that these people don't do a good job. Um, they're rewarding criminals. They're hurting the victims. They're looking the other way at recidivism. And I think people are really starting to wake up. They're obsessed with Donald Trump. Trump derangement syndrome is yes, real. Yes. Let's begin there. There is no vaccine. There is no booster. It's real. And uh, the antidote is they're always trying to get him, get him, get him. All the while not realizing that every single Republican that who ran in 2022, I would say everyone that's running in 2024, including those running against Donald Trump, Rose, right. they're all going to be for the America first agenda. I agree. These Republicans and these conservatives. You'd be hard pressed to find somebody. You may find plenty of people who say, well, I like Trump's policies, not his personality. I don't want that. Well, you just made my point um, about the policies. But let me say this. You need a strong personality that's sticking up for our national interests. It's sticking up for this country, her her liberty, her independence, her workers, her industries. Um, somebody who does put America first. And I, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who's going to even go up against Donald Trump who's not running on parts of his agenda. So let's just begin there. I think you've never seen a brighter line distinction between the two political parties in Agreed. Pennsylvania Road. Mm-hmm. And across the nation, yes. the Democratic Party I grew up in, you know, lots of the union, uh, private union members in my private trade union members in my household worked in Philly, worked in Pittsburgh, worked in South Jersey, Allentown, for that matter. Um, all the school teachers who were in the unions, that's so many of them are now with the Republican Party. Uh, they, you know, they were Democrats because the Democrats at least were reasonable. There are no more pro-life Democrats left. There are no more Second Amendment Democrats left. Mm. There are no more school choice, pro-charter schools, educational freedom, opportunity scholarship. There are no pro-energy, responsible development, hydraulic fracturing Democrats left. We talk about Pennsylvania. It was so disappointing. First of all, when you look at the governor's race, there were so many candidates in the race and there were so many people that honestly, the first time ever I've seen anything like this, they were, it was as though they were courting the candidate they were going to date the candidate. We're not here to marry the candidate. That's right. We are, That's right. Me. We're here to have somebody who's going to be That's better right. than Josh Shapiro and get elected and make us all proud um, and get things done. And I look, I, I think there are many improvements we can make. We can talk about messaging, et cetera. At least the Republicans have a message when it comes to all the issues that Pennsylvanians and Americans say are vexing and perplexing them. The economy, crime, education, energy, the border, et cetera. And now's our chance to actually expose the Democrats for who they are. And I think in some of these races, you've got to say more about the Democrats. The other thing, last thing I would say is whether it's Biden or Fetterman, um, stop telling people what they can see the art of politics yes tell people what they can't see roses to tell them what they can't see we can see their obvious mental and physical deficits and lack of acuity people people saw that what they needed to know more was fetterman on fracking they needed to know the crazy stuff he had said in his own words in his famous hoodie last yeah i said gosh this takes six or seven seconds in an ad four or five times he said quote we could release up to a third of the prison population, nobody would be less safe. Yeah. That's not true. That is false. That is dangerous. That is what he believes. These are That's gaps. Right. That is who they are. And we should be focused on that. It's crazy, nutty stuff. And we should call it out and make them the issue. Otherwise, the people who are 
lapsed Democrats and now independents rose or who say, well, I, I don't approve of Joe Biden's job, but I don't really see a great alternative, including in Pennsylvania. But we need to get them back just by making them feel there is a distinction with a difference and we're the better party that's going to improve their lives and let them preserve their own individual freedom and autonomy. I agree. So I look forward to seeing you there at the, at the, um, at the conservative the well, Pennsylvania you know, Leadership longest, Conference, yes. Well, guess what, though? This is, I was going to say, the conservative conference, because I've been there before in Harrisburg, but I have to say, this is the 34th year. I think it's the longest-running one it of its kind in the country, and, and I'm grows. all too honored and humbled to be there. And we're going to have some tough love, brass tacks talk, but then we're going to come out of that with optimism and forward-looking strategy. Here's a roadmap of what we can all do together. Let's go get it done. I really appreciate you and all your, and I'm so glad that you're going to be our featured speaker there at the PA Leadership Conference. And we can, we'll talk about that after I let you go real quick. You mentioned the candidates that are, have already said, yes, I'm definitely running 2024, less than two years to go. So many that are expected to run. We really do have an interesting slate of people. I got to say, I love that um, Vivek Ramaswamy, 37 years old, is I'm loving the younger people that are at least running, giving it a go. And I think that's fabulous. It's great to see young people. It's wonderful. Listen, that is competition. I I, I think the Democratic Party pretends they've got everything. And in 20. 20. They had about 25 candidates running, believe it or not. And they had a, you know, like, oh, we have the first openly um, gay mayor, Pete Buttigieg. And he got far. He was like in the top five. We have a black woman, a black man, a Hispanic. We have uh, American Samoan, by the way, that was Tulsi Gabbard, not Elizabeth Warren. But speaking of Elizabeth Warren, (laughs) we have a female socialist, Bernie Sanders, male socialist. We had um, we had a guy, I think he was in the Navy SEALs, or at least he was in one of the wars, Seth Moulton. The list went on and on. But guess what? They ended up the party of youth and energy and new things, they ended up with the old, rich, liberal, straight white guy who had been in Washington for 50 years. Mm. I like our chances. We have, we have a a burgeoning field. Donald Trump loves competition. He doesn't want to be the only one standing there. Believe me. He wants to have debate. Yeah. He likes Um, that debate stage. I, 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 I think you're seeing the pendulum switch on some of this woke stuff. Because people have just had enough. It doesn't make sense to them. Incredible. And we don't know who each other is anymore. If people are afraid to say who they are, who they are and what mm. they believe, we, we don't know who everybody is. Well so, Yes, well said. Thank so, yeah. you. But we'll see, we'll Kelly. see a large field. And I'll see you in Harrisburg. Thank you, Rose. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Kelly and Conway. Thank you okay. so much. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Just a reminder to my listeners, PA Leadership Conference. You can register still to get tickets, but they are going fast. Our featured speaker is Kelly Ann Conway. Dates? March 30th through April 1st. Check them out at paleadershipconference.org. With many workers still working from home, office vacancy rates remain high. For details, we turn to Frank Gamrat and Eric Montardi for this Allegheny Institute report. Hello and welcome to the Allegheny Institute report on the Lincoln Institute Radio Journal. I'm Eric Montardi. Joining me today is the executive director of the Allegheny Institute, Frank Gamrat. Your recent brief talked about the office vacancy rate in Pittsburgh and gave an update on the most recent statistics. Can you give our listeners an idea of what the fourth quarter of 2022 looked like for Pittsburgh, how that compared to the year before, and how that compared to national numbers? When you look at vacancy rate, 
across the country. And the reason we do this is you want to look at the central business district. And let's face it, the pandemic really wreaked havoc on vacancy rates across the country as employers sent employees home. And then once things cleared up, employees were slow to come back. And when you look at the vacancy rates, and as as we showed in this brief, there's some downstream effects of firms deciding not to renew leases for the former space requirements that they once had. Employees still like to be at home because they don't want to have to commute in, pay for community expenses, they don't have to, to lunch and all that. So they're saving money. They don't want to come back. And, and so there's been this stagnation of, of vacancy rate. In, in 2021, fourth quarter, Pittsburgh area vacancy rates were 22.1%. And so this year in fourth quarter of 2022, they're 21.3%. So there really just wasn't a whole lot of change. There wasn't a whole lot of movement in the vacancy rate. Now, that covers all areas and it covers all classes of buildings. Class A being, of course, the premier office space, and then it goes down from there. You certainly just have this reluctance of people coming back to to work. And and again, as they start reducing, what we've seen overall is buildings going up for sale because the owners of the buildings aren't aren't being able to make their their lease payments. And when that happens, you've got to drain on government coffers as property taxes are going to start to change as these building owners are going to look to the, the governments and say, hey, wait a minute, we're assessed at this rate. We don't think that's fair because we have all this vacancy rate. So there's a lot of these downstream effects with vacancy rates, which is why, why we're trying to keep tabs on all of this. The central business district is really one of the things that, that we want to really keep an eye on. And the central business district, fourth quarter 2022, the vacancy rate is 19.4%. For again, all classes, it's it's kind of high. For class A rate, it's, it's only 16.5%. So a lot of building managers and owners were upgrading their spaces at some point in time, and, and we're starting to see a little bit of movement there in the vacancy rates. When you look back to last year, the Class A vacancy rate for Pittsburgh downtown central business district was 17.6%, and for, again, all classes central business district, it was 20.9% whereas last year was uh, 19.4%. So you're seeing a little bit of movement in the vacancy rates for the the, the upper-end classes, but not for the lower-end. One of the terms that your brief uses is something called flight to quality. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to our listeners what that is and how that figures in with this office vacancy rate issue? As mentioned before, you know, there's a lot of value to being in the office, and employers are starting to realize that. While employees enjoy the freedom of being at home, there's collaborations being missed. There, there's a, an office culture that's being missed where you can bounce ideas off of one another. There's an efficiency issue. You're home. You don't worry about taking the dog off for the walk, you know, oh, I'll just do a little housework real quick or a little yard work real quick. I'll go get the kids and I'll come back. I I think the workers are probably more productive while they're in the office. And there's a lot of studies that back that up. So in order to encourage people back into the office, what a lot of companies are doing is moving to higher quality space. Again, class A space, buildings that have been recently renovated, buildings with more amenities, so that if and when they can get their employees back to work, there's a little more of an incentive to get back to work because the workspace will be a whole lot nicer. That's what we call flight to quality. And so you're starting to see companies, if they lease, they're moving across town to better space. 
And we have a couple of instances of that happening just here in Pittsburgh. There's a building, used to be the old Mellon Bank building, called 525 William Penn Place. Uh, Citizens Bank, which was sort of what's left of Mellon Bank, was the largest tenant that they had. And they ended up moving across town to to four Gateway Center, and they left 525 William Penn Place very much outside of looking in, even though both of them had been improved building-wise, they thought Four Gateway Center was just a better better place for them. And the vacancy rate of 525 William Penn Place is now 58%. Well, William Penn Place then brings in another smaller bank that's only going to take 7,500 square feet. And when that, when the smaller bank was asked, why'd you move? Their response is, well, William Penn Place was just renovated and it's better space than where you were on Oliver Street. So you're seeing this musical chairs sort of with companies downtown. They're moving to higher quality space. And a lot of that, of course, has to do with very much a renter's market. And you're seeing landlords and building owners giving more incentives to move free rent, construction allowances, et cetera, and more amenities to try to encourage these folks to move to fill up their buildings. What are the recent statistics with leasing activity? Your brief talks about absorption rates, right. uh, and how does that figure in with Pittsburgh, and how does it compare nationally as well? Well, leasing activity nationally is only about 70% what it once was pre-pandemic. And when we talk about absorption rates, absorption rates are how much empty office space has been leased. That would be a positive absorption versus how much office space has been given up. That'd be negative absorption. Now, in the Pittsburgh area, nationally, we're still seeing a negative absorption rate. It was over a percent in 2021. At the end of 2022, it was a little less than a percent. It was like six-tenths of a percent. In Pittsburgh, it was about the same thing. In 2020, it was like 1.4% negative absorption rate. And in 2022, it was negative 0.3% absorption rate. So you're seeing more space being taken up than is being given up. Unfortunately, that's market as a whole. For the downtown central business district, they're still with negative absorption rates, even though the fringe area of Oakland and the strip district area, eastern suburbs, they've had positive uh, absorption. That seems to be where everybody wants to go. And even uh, when you take further out in the Pittsburgh market, most of the suburban markets had positive absorption rates. So that's where it appears the most movement is going on here in the Pittsburgh area. Thank you, Frank, for sharing that with our listeners. We always encourage you to go visit our website, which is www.alleghenyinstitute.org. For Frank Amrath, this is Eric Montardi, and this has been the Allegheny Institute Report on the Lincoln Institute Radio Journal. Universities should be a forum for the sharing of many differing viewpoints. But two state representatives want to deny that platform to a conservative speaker at a taxpayer-funded school. Ashley Klingensmith from Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania has details on this Lincoln Radio Journal commentary. The First Amendment to the Constitution reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Pennsylvania's Constitution extends these protections of free speech in Article 1, Section 7, and Section 20. 
In this moment of rampant cancel culture and regular attacks to free speech and expression, we believe one of the most notable offenders is Harrisburg just this past week. On March 15th, State Representatives Jessica Benham of the 36th Legislative District in Pittsburgh and Malcolm Kenyatta of the 181st Legislative District in Philadelphia along with the LGBTQ Equality Caucus, used their elected public office to issue a statement calling on the University of Pittsburgh, a publicly funded higher education university, to cancel two events hosted by student organizations. These included a debate on transgenderism and saving women's sports. In their release, they talk about the threat of platforming these speakers and of the need to restore and respect safe spaces. Well, these buzzwords might be of service in press releases and on political ads, but they're a corporal threat when coming from government actors. The chilling effect of members of the General Assembly directing a publicly funded university to take adverse action against student groups knows no bounds and sets an extraordinary precedent for the worse. When the state claims the power to determine what's acceptable speech and suppress what is not, it silences dissenting voices and the debate they generate. AFP Pennsylvania rebuked these lawmakers for urging the suppression of free speech. Deputy State Director and Pitt alum Emily Green noted, It is not the role of elected lawmakers to determine what speech is allowable in academic settings, where wide-ranging inquiry and debate are the cornerstone of intellectual freedom and progress. Such chilling actions from members of the General Assembly not only violate the spirit of free speech, but in urging public-funded university to censor students, they also violate the First Amendment. University campuses are the precise venue where controversial discussions should be happening. While the scheduled topics certainly have the potential to be offensive to members of the community, such discussions are the very definition of free speech. Far from encouraging censorship on campus, the Pennsylvania General Assembly should be taking steps to protect free speech on campus and throughout the Keystone State. State Representatives Jill Cooper and Marla Brown joined the rebuke with statements of their own. Representative Cooper said, instead of seeking to silence those with different opinions, we should discuss matters respectively with the intent of understanding one another. I agree with transgender activist Deidre McCloskey that the events should occur as scheduled. We shouldn't be afraid of civil discussion. We should embrace it. Our differences should be celebrated, promoted, and expressed with appreciation and consideration for others, rather than canceled or censored. Representative Brown stated, An open society depends on liberal education, and the whole enterprise of liberal education is founded on the principle of free speech. Well, the First Amendment is a protection of citizens from restriction of expression by the government. We have got to do better, Pennsylvania. Visit AmericansForProsperity.org 
Keep up to date on Facebook at PAAFP, on Twitter at AFP Pennsylvania, and on our newly unveiled chapter website at keystoneplaybook.com. I'm Ashley Klingen-Smith, State Director with Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania. If you miss hearing Lincoln Radio Journal on your favorite radio station, audio of our complete program is available on our websites, lincolnradiojournal.com and lincolninstitute.org. And as mentioned at the top of the program, the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference is this Thursday through Saturday, March 30th to April 1st at the Penn Harris Hotel in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will be the special guest speaker. Kellyanne Conway is the featured dinner speaker. She will be joined by Guy Benson of Fox News, John Gizzi of Newsmax, and House Freedom Caucus Chairman Congressman Scott Perry as the conference headliners. There will be workshops, seminars, panels, and additional speakers. Complete information, a preliminary agenda, and registration for the 2023 Pennsylvania Leadership Conference can be found at paleadershipconference.org. Again, paleadershipconference.org. The Lincoln Radio Journal is produced weekly by the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. The Lincoln Institute is completely funded through the generosity of individuals, corporations, and philanthropic foundations, including the Allegheny Foundation of Pittsburgh, the Houston Foundation of Coatesville, and the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association, all of whom have helped to underwrite the costs of this program. Lincoln Radio Journal is a trademark of the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. Comments and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Lincoln Institute or of this radio station. From the Lincoln Broadcast Center in Harrisburg, I'm Loman Henry. Thank you for listening to Pennsylvania's most widely broadcast public affairs radio program, Lincoln Radio Journal, plug into the pulse of Pennsylvania.